chapter 1, going from verse 18. Do you know, I love this morning hearing about real lives, because this is what the Christian life is about. It's about real lives, isn't it? This is what the Word of God is about. It's not some kind of abstract thing that lives out here. But this is the Word of God to us for our lives. It's exciting. And uh, we're going to find out what God's got in store for us this morning through his word. So James chapter 1 and verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Lord Jesus, as we come to this passage this morning, we thank you that this Bible, this word, it's all about you, it points to you. It tells us of how great you are. And through it, we know you and we see you. And so we pray this morning, send your spirit to us, that he might help us, that he might be our teacher, that he might um, illuminate all that um, you have for us this morning through your word. Come and keep speaking to us. Help us to see you afresh this morning and be changed. Amen. Amen. We're going to be spending two weeks on this passage. Um, I'm going to preach this week, and Paul's going to speak on it again next week. And we're going to see how James wants us to understand how the gospel is worked out in our lives. How it affects our lives now. He wants us to see its power. See, for James, faith must produce good works. If faith is faith, it leads to a changed life, says James. See, sometimes um, if you've been reading this from perhaps uh, your Bible rather than on the screen, sometimes the way uh, Bibles uh, put things into sections is helpful, and sometimes it's not very helpful. So if you were reading from your own Bible this morning, you might have noticed that we started in the section before, and not from verse 19. But actually, in order to get the whole picture, we need to start with verse 18 rather than verse 19. 
See, verse 18 said this, didn't it? He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. See, this is very different to every other religion or worldview that says, in order for you to be something new, something changed, you've got to work to it. You've got to earn it. You've got to get there by doing these simple steps first. Christianity is totally different. It says when we choose Jesus, we are changed. We become something new. See, it's almost like exactly the same as what Jesus was telling Nicodemus, the Jewish ruler in John 3. He says, you know, there's got to be, in order for you to know God, there's got to be a kind of new, a kind of rebirth. And he's going, what? You mean I've got to be born again out of my mum? What are you? And he, he can't get it. He's saying, no, no, this is about spiritual rebirth. It's got to happen in you. See, Christianity is not just some kind of self-help thing, some way to live a morally better life. It is totally transforming. Who someone is has been totally transformed when they accept Jesus into their lives. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is excellent, a new creation. And this is really important, particularly in the light of the passage we're looking at this morning. If you're a Christian here this morning, something new happened to you when you accepted Jesus. Your life, your new life was placed into Christ. And so everything that is true of Christ is now true of you when you accepted Jesus. Jesus is righteous, isn't he? Do you know, we are righteous in Christ and given his righteous. He's loved forever by the Father. Do you know, in him, we're loved by the Father forever. He's access to the Father. And do you know, by this Holy Spirit, we have access to the Father too. He's at peace with God. And do you know, if you're a Christian here this morning, you are at peace with God because you're in Christ. So our passage this morning, James is looking at, well, how do we keep on being changed by the power of God in our lives? That's what he's concerned about. And I'm going to look at three instructions this morning from James, all in relation to what we do with what he calls the Word. See, the Word can mean lots of different things in the Bible. And we have to think about, what does he mean? What does James mean? Sometimes the word can mean Jesus, can't it? In John chapter 1, John says, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was of God. The word was with God, and the word was God. And he's talking about Jesus. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets often talk about the word of the Lord, don't they? The word of the Lord came to me. God's speaking through them. The Bible, the Bible is, you hear the Bible talked about as the word of God, don't you? It's the word of God. Say, just nod if you're with me. It'll keep you awake as well. The gospel. The gospel, God's rescue plan for us in Jesus, in sending Jesus to come to earth as a man, to live a perfect life, to die a death on the cross, to be raised to life, to conquer sin and death for us. That's often known as the word. It's the word, the gospel. They sometimes call it that. 
So as we go through, I'll try and clarify kind of what, what, what do I think James is talking about here in his book. So how are we changed by the power of God? There are three points this morning. We're changed by hearing the word, by receiving the word, and by doing the word. I'm sure they'll come up eventually. If they don't, you can remember those three things. Hearing the word, receiving the word, and doing the word. So, James says, everyone should be quick to listen. To listen to what? Well, the commentators that I read all kind of agree that he's talking about Scripture. He's talking about the Old Testament Scripture, and you can kind of see that from the rest of the passage too. He's talking about the Old Testament Scripture that James's readers would have had and about the teaching they'd have been starting to hear from people like Paul, from James himself, maybe from John, from Peter. And that's what we have in the New Testament. We've got it here for us preserved for us here. And the fact that they had to be reminded, even at the beginning of the church, to hear the word, shows that perhaps um, needing to be reminded is perhaps a human condition. That perhaps we prefer to talk than listen. Does that resonate with anyone? We prefer sometimes to give our opinions than to hear others. Or, if sometimes you're like me, when someone's talking to me, I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. And I'm pretending I'm being a good listener, but I'm thinking about, I've got a really good thing to say when they finish speaking. (laughs) But maybe that's just me. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. But not only do we have a tendency to speak more, perhaps, than we listen, but we also live in a society that battles for our attention every day, battles for things to listen to them. How many adverts do you think you are exposed to every day? Go on. There's a bit of research on this. 50 adverts a day. Okay, Bill started off with 50. 100. Any more? Any more than 100? On average, it's estimated that we are exposed to three to 5,000 adverts every day. It, all over the place. And you start to realise it, even if you just look at something that has the brand name of uh, what it is on, you're being exposed to an advert. Three to 5,000. See, there's no shortage of attention to give our things to, is there, during the day. Everything that can have an advert does have an advert. The TV, the internet. I'm sick of things popping up on my internet screen or running down the side. I'm sure it would run faster if they just weren't there. People being tattooed You see stories, don't you, of someone saying, well, this company offered to tattoo my head uh, uh, and uh, and put an advert on it if they paid me £100, so I did it. And you're like, what? And so they'll be advertising some energy company on their head with a tattoo. It's ridiculous. 
or the toilets. You can't go to the toilet now without having an advert. And you, you're there in the toilets, and they've got them on the, the things. And I thought, oh, I'm here to go to the toilet, and there's adverts. Um, I, I guess it's the same for women. That's, that's certainly for men. Um, it's just adverts about all sorts. In the to- you know, we're taking in messages everywhere we go. Here's a question. Are you taking time to read, to hear God's word to you in the Bible? I'm not simply talking about taking information in. This is the creator of the universe wanting to speak to you and I. And I'm not just talking about having a daily Bible reading plan. I've done my bit today. Do you know, one commentator, Alec Matir, says, do you know, you can have the best daily Bible reading plan in the world and you unfailingly stick to it every day and all you're achieving each morning is moving the bookmark through the Bible. (gasps) Wow. Planning can be good, but don't fool yourself. Are you hearing what it has to say to you? Are you taking time to hear the Bible being preached and taught? You know, I, I know people who say, well, I love church, but I really love the worship, and that's the, the thing I really love. And, you know, why do we have to need someone to teach from the Bible? Because I just want to worship God, and, and that's it. Do you know, Paul says in the Bible, all Scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, these are not just good ideas made up by humans. This is God-breathed. And as we understand it, we're equipped to be the people we're meant to be as Christians. Equipped for every good work, as it says. That's, time, that's why we spend time going through the Bible. That's why we're spending time going through James. So we can hear what it's got to say to us. What it means for us. That's why in the new year we are opening up Word Plus, um, a, a kind of a thing on a Saturday where you can come and learn about the Bible. And so we're opening up to the church so you can come and, what's the Bible? I want to understand the Bible. I want to know God more through the Word. That's why we're doing that in the new year. Who reads the Bible not normally in English? Who's, who's, who's kind of from a different country and it'd be normally a, a different, Harry, yeah, a few others. Who would read in a different language? Do you know there is power in this book, in the Word of God? Not simply in the English translation of this book, but in the Word of God for you, there is power. So, hearing the Word. But James says there's more to it than that. He says this in verse 21. um, Accept the Word planted in you. A better translation is this, receive the word planted in you. So if you're a Christian, something was planted in you when you made that decision to follow Jesus. See, one of the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah, talks about it like this. He says, he says, uh, this, he says this is God speaking through Jeremiah, and God says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. God's saying, I'm going to transform the way I relate to men and women. No longer will it be, here's a standard, 
wholly external for you to try and live up to against. But now I'm writing that standard on your hearts and in your minds. It's a totally different deal. See, to me, to be planted suggests something that's alive, doesn't it? You know, we plant things in the garden, don't we? Plant things in little pots. It's something that's alive, something's active, something with life. Do you know the Holy Spirit is at work in you and me? He's changing us. Where I might have acted before in a certain way, now I find I want to act in a different way now. I loved what Judith said, where she said, do you know, before I might judge people, but now, now I don't judge. Now I see people for who they are. Now I, I used to have acted in this way, but now something's happened. I don't think, is she here, Judith? Is she still? Okay, I don't think it would have been that she suddenly said, someone said to her, you are not to judge. But actually she found that God was changing her by the Spirit. And now I don't see people as I used to see them. Now I do see them differently. It's a life-changing thing. Who likes a bit of history? Does anyone like history? I like history. I do like a bit of history. I do like a bit of church history as well. Um, Do you know, some groups in history have taken this idea of the implanted word a little too far. They've taken it further than what the Bible is actually saying. And what they've done is got themselves into all sorts of bother and all sorts of trouble. During the European Reformation in the 16th century, um, there was a group called the Anabaptists. Has everyone, anyone heard of the Anabaptists? Not the Baptists. They're totally different. Uh, these were called the Anabaptists. And uh, some of them were good. And some of them did some good things and believed some good things, and some of them were a bit bad and believed some wacky things and some things off the wall. And uh, some of those Anabaptists thought they would just disregard the word, disregard the Bible, because actually they now have the inner word. We don't need this anymore, because we have the inner word inside us. It's implanted in us. So I can disregard this and just listen to the inner word in me. And uh, it just ended up with a license to do what they wanted, basically, Polygamy, brutal murder, all sorts of degrading sin. And uh, there was one group in Germany uh, in a place called Zwickau, and uh, they, they said that um, actually advancing the kingdom of God through murdering unbelievers was the way forward. It was a dreadful thing, absolutely dreadful. And uh, they had a slogan, as most heretical movements have a slogan and uh, their, their, their new slogan was be born again or die <laughs> what an awful thing I know we laugh now don't we because it's hundreds of years ago but what an awful awful thing to have and to do but sadly we laugh don't we but sadly there are movements like that today who say do you know it's not about the bible anymore just listen to what God's saying to you inside You can disregard this book now. And often it's very subtle at first, but it's there. It's there. Listen, we can't come to the Bible, we can't come to the Word of God and strip out the bits we don't like. I don't like this page. I'm uncomfortable with that bit. We can't do that. But also, we can't have a cold, lifeless approach to the Bible, where actually we're worshipping the Bible, and we're worshipping that 
and worshipping study, that won't result in a changed lives. Lots of non-Christians study the Bible. It's true. All around the world, in universities and colleges, lots of non-Christians study the Bible. And it doesn't lead to a changed life. However, as the Holy Spirit works in you and in me, it helps us. He helps us to read this word. And what's been implanted in me says, yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, as I read it. And suddenly I'm going, yes. Do you know, okay, I am uncomfortable with that bit. But yes, this is God's word for us. This is the spirit-filled life. This is what it means to be word and spirit people. Okay. Now, some particular ways James tells us that we need to receive the word too. He says this. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Let me just open back up to James. It's good to keep your Bible open on the morning, isn't it? There we go. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. See, the original language has this idea of taking off some dirty clothes, some shabby clothes. It's not you. That's not who you were meant to be. That's not who you have become. Take it off. You are a changed person. Sin is not who you are anymore, James is saying. Take it off. And you know, to be in the best position to receive all that God has for you in his word, there might be wrong things in your life you need to deal with. Just to change metaphors briefly, Jesus, in one of his parables, talks about the word of God and being like a seed and there's some soil. Do you know that one? And uh, he says it's a bit like a seed being received by some soil. And there's some rocky soil and there's some soil with plants and, and weeds and, and depending on the soil, it depends on how, how that seed's received and, and are you tending to the soil of your life? You know, it's not separated from how we receive the implanted word. See, sometimes we can separate our life, can't we? This is my spiritual part of my life, and over here is my non-spiritual part of my life. And uh, I'll come to church on a Sunday, and uh, hey, I'll even come to a community group, and I might even, I'll, I'll even be genuine about it. I might even close my eyes during the worship. I might even put a hand up. I might even jump a bit. But the rest of the week, and for the rest of my life, do you know, I will do what I want. I'll live how I want. Don't do that. Don't mess with God. Don't mess with God's word. It's not there for fooling about with. It also says, humbly receive the word. What does that mean? Well, again, sometimes our attitude can be, no, I'll do what's best for me. I'll do what I think's right. I'll read the bits that I want to. I'll make decisions that fit with my lifestyle. Do you know, a humble attitude to receiving the word is, yeah. Yeah, God, I'll do what it says. My answer to you, God, is yes. It's yes. And that's not always the easiest choice, is it? No, it's not. It's not for me. I'm sure it's not for you. That's why James tells us to take off behavior that's not us. To receive something that's implanted in us. Don't you think that's funny? Receive something that's already implanted. You say, well, it's been implanted in me. Why do I have to receive it? It's, it's there. 
It's done. No, no, James is saying, no, no, receive it. It's implanted in you. Now receive it. Maybe he knows that the Christian life can be a battle. It can be hard. It can take work. Making the right choices every time can be hard, can't it? It's not all easy. Anyone who says to you, the Christian life becomes easy when you accept Jesus. It's not true. But it's so fulfilling and so amazing to know there's a Father in heaven who helps us and is with us. So that's receiving the word. Finally, doing the word. See, we are saved by God through faith alone. It's what we've been celebrating this morning. And it's what James refers to in verse 18. He chose to give us birth. But true faith produces obedience. Faith is not effectual if it doesn't produce obedience. And he helpfully gives us an illustration, which is great, because I'll have to think of one then, do I? He says it's like this. A man who looks at his face in a mirror and then goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. And he compares it with a man that looks at what James calls the perfect law. And he doesn't forget it. He does it. So why is James so keen for us to do as well as hear and receive? See, I think one reason is how he describes it. He calls it the perfect law that gives freedom. What does he mean by this? Is he just talking about the Bible? Is he talking about the Old Testament law? Is he talking about the Ten Commandments? What's James talking about? Well, I want to suggest he's talking about the Word of God in the light of the Gospel, in the light of who Jesus is, in the light of that revelation. The Bible in the light of God's rescue plan for you and I and for all humanity. This is the new life that Jeremiah prophesied about, isn't it? I'll put my law in their hearts and write it in their minds. And as I spend time getting to know Jesus, he makes me more like him. And as you get to know Jesus, he makes you more like him. And uh, we find that actually we start to fulfill the law, don't we, from the inside out. Like Judith, we start to fulfill it from the inside outwards. And uh, just so you know know I'm not making this up, this is what Paul says in Romans 8, because he agreed too, and uh, he says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life. See, the gospel brings freedom when we live in the power of it. And when we live our lives in the light of this gospel, we know true freedom. But it's doing life out of love for Jesus, out of worship for him, rather than doing it out of duty. It's not about what are the rules I've got to learn? What have I got to learn to, to, to be right with God? What are the things I've got to do in life? But rather, how can I know this Jesus more? How can I be the new creation he's made me to be? Not out of duty, but out of love for him. Out of a love for him and all he has done for me. 
See, we were made in the image of God. We were made to know God. But we get disappointed when we try and know God through moral living. If I just be good, if I just follow these things, I'll know God. It's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. You know, it's Jesus that deals with the rot of our lives. The rot that stops us from getting to God. Jesus dealt with it. And through his perfect life, through his death on the cross, he was dealing with the sin and the shame that we deserved. And as we sang this morning in one of those songs, he said, it's finished. What is finished? What is finished? The fact that he has dealt with sin and death. It's not like he's going to have to do it again for us. It's not like I'm going to mess up next week and oh, maybe Jesus hasn't dealt with that one. No, no, he has dealt with every sin in our lives so that we can be free and to know God and have access to our heavenly Father in heaven. It's amazing. This is the gospel. This is the free gift that Jesus offers. Have you made that decision to choose Jesus this morning? Have you accepted that free gift of him dealing with the rot of your life and the sin of your life? We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to invite you on Alpha. Why don't you come on Alpha? That's a great way to talk about your questions. And finally, just to finish off, we don't have lots of time to go into this, but in verse 27, um, he says, this is what the, the gospel life will look like. He says this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted from the world. He's not saying this is how to be, become a Christian. This is, these are the easy steps. Look after some widows, look after some orphans. Don't watch telly. That's not, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, do you know, knowing Jesus, living in the light of his gospel, do you know, it looks something like this. This is, what it, this is what your life will look like. Love for others around you and a love to know Jesus and to not be affected by every kind of ungodly attitude that's around there. Do you know, when I read that, I think, do you know, I want to live a significant life. Do you want to live a significant life as well? I often think, I really want, I want to live a significant life. I want, to, I want to live a life that counts. And uh, reading that passage, reading that verse, verse 27, makes me want to go, oh, I really want to live a life that counts, that means something. And uh, it often makes me think of, you know, great men and women who have done great things for God. Do you know, Bill, Bill, it's great to have you back this morning. It's brilliant to see you. Um, Bill lent me a book on John Newton, who uh, was the, the slave trader from the uh, 17th, 18th century, um, who uh, wrote Amazing Grace and was amazingly saved by Jesus. You know, he did some dreadful things in terms of what he did uh, in terms of slavery and what he did in terms of his life. He did some awful things. And then, do you know, in the second part of his life, he did some amazing things. He had some amazing profile in this country. Was it because he was trying to make up for the guilt of, of slave trading? Was it that? Was it because he just, just wanted to make up for what he'd done in the past? Or was it because he'd encountered Jesus? He'd met the living God. His sin had been forgiven. He'd been made a new creation. Totally free. Totally new. And I look at him and think, 
Do you know, that's what happened. It was the gospel. It was meeting Jesus that made him significant. And do you know, I don't think I'll ever have the profile of John Newton. Hey, maybe some people in this room might have the profile of John Newton. Who knows? But do you know, we are all called to be significant in God's kingdom. Whatever nation you're from, whatever age you are, we are called to be significant. It's not because these people like John Newton were clever or gifted or super special. It's because they had encountered Jesus and applied his gospel to their lives. What about us? Do you know, we've been called to change society as well. Together, we've been called to change Teesside. We've been called to change this nation. We've been called to influence the nations because we've encountered this Jesus, because we're applying his gospel to our lives day by day. It's about knowing him. So let's be hearers of the word, let's be receivers of the word, and let's be doers of the word. I want to pray, I want to finish by praying for us. And uh, what I'm going to do is ask us, um, you you might need to shake off a bit, you've been sat, sat down a bit long, I'm going to ask us to stand for a minute, and I'm going to pray for us all. We're not going to have a ministry time, but I do want to pray for us. I want to pray for those of us that just often we come to the Word of God, and it feels a duty, and it's become a duty to us. And in some way, we've missed Jesus as we've come to the Word of God. And there's times like that in my life where I miss Him speaking to me. It's become a chore. And I've missed Him. I just want to pray for anyone. You know, we want to have a serious attitude to the Word of God but a joyful attitude to knowing him. Full of fun, full of joy. Hasn't this morning been a joy, hearing about different lives, being a thankful people? Do you know, that's our attitude to the word of God as well. It's full of joy for us. Yes, serious. But it should be a joy knowing him through the word of God. And perhaps, that's, perhaps you're aware of that in your life too. Why don't you just put your arms out? Maybe that helps. You can raise your arms up. I just want to pray for us as we do that. Lord Jesus, thank you that you haven't called us to be a people who just know rules, who just know what do I have to do for God today. What do I have to do to please him, to earn his affection? Thank you, you haven't called us to that life. You've called us to a life of knowing you, of enjoying your presence in our lives, of knowing that this word you have given us is God-breathed, is active, is such a joy to know you through. And I pray, I pray for those of us that are struggling right now in the Word of God, are struggling to see you, have maybe missed things, have maybe fallen into duty. 
Lord Jesus, come to us this morning. Send your Holy Spirit. Let him empower us. Let him change us. Let him renew us. Let him speak to us and bring the word of God alive in our hearts. As we seek to be a blessing to those around us and seek to love those in our communities and in our neighbourhoods and in our schools and universities and on our streets and in our workplaces. That as we encounter you through the living, active word of God, we are changed to be the people you've made us to be and to change this area, this nation and the nations beyond. Come to us afresh. Let's just, we can just wait on him. Just receive, just receive from God. This is your heavenly father wanting to speak, wanting to empower wanting to touch you. He's wanting to touch people right at the front, right through the middle, right to the back. Come, Jesus. We love your presence with us. We love that you speak to us. We love that we find our significance in you. And yet you call us to great things too. you God thank you call us every day to live in your presence thank you Lord can I invite the band back up we're going to sing a song in response to Jesus